morning. My name is Sam Riedel, and I am the youth director here at Mount Olivet United Methodist Church. It is my distinct pleasure to be able to bring the word, the message, on this beautiful Sunday morning. Before we lean into our story today, would you please join me for a word of prayer? God of grace, God of peace, be with us as your word is shared, and we seek to understand it. Seek to understand the ways in which your apostles were sent forward by your son Jesus in the amazing story of the ascension. Let that sending be present with us today. Amen. Theophilus. It's quite a name. Uh, in the Greek, this name can mean friend of God or lover of God. And this Theophilus is the recipient of both the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles. We're, we're not quite sure if this was a particular person, a, a body of believers, or maybe a general description of all who are friends of God, lovers of God. I confess, I, I tend to favor the last one of these, the, the more general description. Um, as a lover of history, I'm incredibly fond of the idea that dusty old Luke, thousands of years ago, wrote down his orderly account, the way he describes the Acts of the Apostles. He wrote it to any and all who are seeking after God. As my wife Megan can attest, uh, I spend an unreasonable amount of time reading through long, dusty, and orderly accounts of things in the past. And I love the idea that Luke is just one of those, a wise and thoughtful person putting forward a testimony, a wise and thoughtful person putting forward an open invitation to all of the seekers of the world. And as we walk through our story for today, I would encourage you to hold on to that idea, hold on to that truth, the truth that these testimonies that we're discussing are written down for you. An open letter has been sent for all who would seek to be friends of God or lovers of God, or all of those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, as Jesus himself might have put it. In this story today, it is my belief that we hear two questions. Uh, two questions asked and two responses given. The first question is very human, very close to the ground. The second question is divine. The first is a little off base, while the second, as the psalmist says, is charged with the glory and grandeur of God. These two questions are asked and responded to in the midst of Christ's ascension or exaltation. The build-up to this story, to the ascension, is found in the beginning verses of our passage. We find a risen Jesus described by Luke visiting many, the apostles, women, individuals, strangers, with many convincing proofs and speaking of the kingdom of God, this elusive yet dawning reality in the lives of God's people, in the lives of this new creation that we hear about in the scriptures. Theophilus, this lover of God, is told that the disciples were commanded to wait, ordered to wait. Recalling the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says, for John baptized with water, but you, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
After I assume a few days, a brief stretch of time, the passage says that they all came together. What is not noted and what I find very eloquent is that they gathered in what is called Mount Olivet or the Mount of Olives. The disciples, soon to be apostles, apostle, just mean, the word just means sent, gathered around the risen Lord in what I can only imagine was a meal, a gathering of prayer. Perhaps they sang a few hymns, a time for celebration, just simply enjoying the presence of the risen Christ. And it is in this moment that we hear our first question in the passage. It, it is so like the disciples standing before the risen Jesus to ask this sort of question. Let me read it for you. Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And I can empathize with them because when they ask of the kingdom of Israel, they aren't asking for power. They're not really describing political reality, even though they are. They are talking about a specific thing, but they're not talking about status quo. They're not talking about pomp. They're not asking for a king and a bureaucracy and a magistrate, all the things that come with a kingdom. Let's look deeper into their question. Their question is this. Peter, the illiterate fisherman, asks the questions I feel in my bones. Lord, is this the time when all that is cruel, abusive, indifferent might be washed away? Lord, is this the time when the nation that I love will be all that it is meant to be? At this moment, I'm so grateful for the disciples as much as they bungle and missed fire at times, because they ask what I would ask myself. They ask what I would ask the risen Jesus. Amidst pointless wars and rising prices, baby formula and buffalo. Man, I feel that question. Lord, is this the time when that which is so obviously wrong might be made right. It is not for you. It is not for you to know the times or periods set by the Father. So says the risen Jesus to his friends, his brothers, these disciples who are about to become apostles. When I think I have Jesus pinned down, <laughs> he eludes me. When I feel I have captured him in the pleasant categories of a teacher, a wandering sage, a generally nice guy, he surprises me. Because a generously nice guy doesn't respond this way to such a human and heartfelt question. <sighs> Perhaps our reading of this passage demands a richer and more nuanced sense of who this risen Jesus is. Perhaps the reading of this passage demands a richer and more nuanced sense of who God is. As I raised earlier, the Gospel of Luke and Acts are generally meant to be read together as a consistent narrative, dedicated 
to that same lover of God, that friend of God, Theophilus, who we keep returning to, dedicated to us. And Luke's goal is to describe a plan, a mission, a story of a people called into being, reaching its fullness in our representative of Jesus, the risen Jesus. If you recall, this original mission was declared at the beginning in Genesis. The idea that as God's image and likeness, we were meant to do one thing, and that is to reflect God's wise and ordered and gentle and glorious reign in the creation. As the prophets say, they will be my people and I will be their God. I will put forward my own question. Is this not what we see in Jesus' response? In this short and in a way harsh response to the most human of questions asked by the disciples, we receive this. You will receive power from the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To the question of a restored kingdom, Jesus replies with the kingdom of God. To the question of a restored kingdom, Jesus points to a restored humanity, brought about by the mighty acts of God, as our baptismal service says, as our communion liturgy says. This new humanity began with the empty tomb and is sustained by the Spirit that is coming to these disciples in but a few days. Luke is trying to show through his testimony that the original mission is still the mission. God has not abandoned the world. No. Never that. God has redeemed it. Through this man we have come to know, the Messiah, Jesus. And the disciples are the original witnesses to this new reality. Their adventures, and they can only be called adventures, are what we call the Acts of the Apostles. When discussing the role of Acts that begins with the Ascension story for today within the Bible, Anglican bishop and, frankly, all-around churchman, Tom Wright gives us a clear insight into what it means when we are described as witnesses. Long ago, when a king or an emperor was enthroned, took authority and power over the empire or the kingdom, messengers would bolt from the center of the empire, whether or not that be Persia or Rome, and they would go all around, and they would describe their mission as going to the ends of the earth, and the message would be clear. It would be short. We have a king. We have order. We have stability. May not be heaven, but it certainly ain't hell. If this definition is taken seriously, if the newfound vocation of the disciples as apostles or sent is taken seriously, we find that Jesus' reply isn't harsh at all. Jesus doesn't diminish the human question. He points 
to the Spirit-led reality that begins with the resurrection, begins with the empty tomb. In short, the disciples weren't wrong because their question went too far, somehow trying to, you know, peek under the skirt or asking questions of God that only God has the answers to. No. In Jesus' reply, we see that it didn't go far enough. In the ascension, Jesus is enthroned as the Lord of all. As throughout the entire scriptures, the people of God prayed for, sought, wished for, suffered for. That the idea, the reality, that the living God would restore his people. That the king reigns. That the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven has begun. The disciples were in error because they asked for the kingdom of Israel when they should have had their eye on the kingdom of God. The disciples' answer, the disciples' question was off base because it asked for peace. It asked for order. It asked for stability. It asked for something they can understand. When the central mission of God has always been and continues to be a peace that surpasseth understanding. This brings me to the final question in our passage for today. Galileans, why are you standing here looking toward heaven? I love this question. <laughs> Despite the fact that it pushes me, challenges me, because there is an urgency in it, a force of purpose. We as Christians tend to look towards heaven, toward another world, another place, another time that is not this world, because so often we can't understand this world. We can't wrap our heads around it. We can't endure this world. Our story today, the ascension and the exaltation of Jesus reminds us that this world, so similar to our own lives, is as the novelist Frederick Buechner says, leading, to be sure, yet bled for. Whether or not it be the tragedy of a deluded young man who sees his neighbors as his enemies, or the tragedy unfolding all around us of young women driving hours to find food for their children that simply isn't there. Our story today reminds us that we are not alone in that struggle. We are not meant to look away from the world. No. We are meant to be witnesses, not looking towards heaven but advancing over the world to the ends of the earth, witnesses to the empty tomb, witnesses to a new way of being, to this restored humanity. Witnesses sent by the same Spirit that sent our ancestors so long ago. <sighs>